Well, um, good evening and welcome. Um, nine o'clock this morning, as when Kathy was here, there was in fact a queue to get into church, which is, is rather sweet, really. Of course, it's um, not a good thing. It's because people arrived a bit late and they had to sign in, so it took time. But now we have a postcode. Isn't that amazing? So you can now use the Track and Trace app and uh, and tap in. Uh, if you've got that on your phone. I'll wait to try and get rid of the buzz. Where's that horrible buzz coming from? It's not the wasps. No, I think not. But. That sounds... Oh, no. Uh, apparently, last last um, time I did encounter, Laurie said that it was very quiet at the back. If this is too quiet, can someone at the back just stand up and shout, Wendy, just do it. If, if, I, if it goes quiet, okay, just say. Because it feels very loud down here. Um, I can hear myself very clearly. Uh, the title for... I'm, I'm going to talk for it first. I'll, say, I'll pray first. I'll start geography first. I'm going to pray and then we'll do the talk and then Johnny will lead us in worship. Extended worship as always at Encounter um, and see how that goes and where it goes. Um, but the title for uh, this evening, which has come by revelation to Laurie um, and by um, email to me, is Mix and Meld. Um, and um, the boss will come in, no doubt. But when I started praying and asking God what to say tonight, it just happened that that was when Laurie was on his retreat this week, so I couldn't ask him what he meant by it. So I may have got completely the wrong angle on this, but it's the angle that God gave me. Is that, is that fair? Uh, so um, we'll see how that goes in a moment. Let's take a moment's quiet, shall we? And just come into Father's presence. Just intentionally open up to his spirit. Intentionally lay down the busyness of today. Father, we thank you for this time, for this place, for these people, for this opportunity to be in your presence. to worship you, to hear from you and to share with each other in this incredible adventure that you've called us to in Jesus. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, we just give ourselves now this evening to be before you and we give you permission, God, to speak to us in any way you choose. Come, Holy Spirit. And the people said, Amen. So, I'm going to talk a bit about um, some things from the story of Esther uh, in the Old Testament. You haven't got few Bibles or anything. You can look up the verse if you want. Um, you'll find it a bit all over the place from from Esther. Hi, David. Hi, Beverly. Um, and I think the reason why, well, I, I, the sort of thing that links with where we are, I think, 
and this story is a little bit about that thing about being in a foreign culture. Now, most of you know the story. Can I just assume you know the story? I'll do a very brief outline. But the situation is the Jews have got you know, carried into captivity when Nebuchadnezzar destroys the temple in Jerusalem, takes them all off to Babylon uh, for their 70 years captivity. And then a new empire comes, Cyrus defeats the Babylonians, and sets up the thing, the Median Persian Empire. And that's a much more liberal sort of operation. And slowly, after about 70 years, some Jews start returning to Jerusalem. But there is still, and this story takes place in the time of Xerxes, which is fortunately a Greek shortening of a really impossible Persian name to say. <clears throat> and King Xerxes, chapter 1 of Esther, uh, the, the book starts off with that. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes. The Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces. Uh, the Persian Empire was huge. It went, included Egypt and chunks of India, right into Greece, um, all of the, the Palestine, the Holy Land. Uh, massive area, massive empire. And this story takes place in one of the sort of four royal capitals, Susa. Uh, and the Persian monarchs moved around between these, so it seems. And it takes place when there's a, obviously, obviously a, a colony of, of Jews there. And we've got quite good archaeological, I can't say the word, evidence that, that Jewish communities existed in lots of the cities of the Persian Empire uh, at that time. They'd been taken to Babylon and presumably dispersed to Susa and Nippur and Peropolis and all the other places uh, where we know they, they were. And they're there. And there's a particular thing happens which involves Esther because the king falls out with his queen and gets rid of her, banishes her, Queen Vashti, in chapter 1. And Esther becomes the queen. Uh, she goes, well, sort of. She goes to the harem first and the king has lots of uh, ladies in his harem and, and she's the one that the king really delights in. And she takes the place. She's given the royal sort of accolade and becomes queen for a while. And so you've got a situation where there's, there's God's people, the Jews, and they're in this distant land, different culture. And it's clear they've become quite integrated into that culture. So Esther is actually, her parents are dead. She's brought up by her uncle, Mordecai. And Mordecai is, is, is not a Jewish name. It's a, it's a Persian name, probably after the, one of their gods. And Esther's name herself almost certainly comes from the goddess Ishar, but it's not a... She has also a Hebrew name, but she has a, like a normal name in their culture. Mordecai, her uncle, who's brought her up, uh, he, he's, he's a scribe in the, king's, in the king's palace. You know, he's part of this sort of civil service. Um, they're, they're integrated, they're mixed in, but still somehow separate because they're God's people and they have their own community life, but they're involved in this culture. I've, I've been reading and I've attended some sort of online conferences sort of when people are talking about the challenge to the Western culture by what's happening at the moment. Do you get this? That, that there's one speaker who doesn't matter who he was really. He was, he was saying, he said, you know, three years ago, I, I, I've been traveling from America to Europe and backwards and forwards. And I was going through an airport once. And I thought, my word, this is, this is wonderful, but it's very fragile. If, if, if you know, if some disease spread through this lot, and I think there's an element of, of a, a challenge to uh, culture 
the Western secular culture, the post-Christian culture that we've all grown up in. But we're in that culture. I mean, I don't see you can be out of it, really. You know, to be a Christian is to be Jesus' people, but in the world. And this, these digital Jewish community in Susa we're looking at, don't know how big it was, probably not very large, but they've integrated in a bit. And indeed, Mordecai has encouraged Esther to go, because she's beautiful and good-looking and all that stuff, into the Queen's, king's harem. But he's told her not to say she's Jewish. I think it's chapter 2, verse 10, if I remember rightly. Explicitly, is that where it is? Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her. And so she's there. Just, just picture this. She's there in the king's harem. Now, I've never been in a harem. <laughs> uh, I probably wouldn't be let in, I suppose, actually, when it comes down to it. Unless, there we are, you know, never mind. I lost some bits first. Because she looked after by some eunuchs. And, and I guess it was a lovely place to live. I mean, in a sense, that I suspect she was well-fed and got all the things she wanted, yeah? Very comfortable life. I mean, occasionally, the king called for and you had to go and see the king, which must be a bit risky, I suppose, in a way. But you get the impression, in fact, when the story starts, she hadn't been seen for some time. You know, she just lived happily in this harem. You've got this person who's living in a really a sort of pagan culture, not her culture. But she's integrated into it and living very comfortably. And when I was, I say, praying and thinking through this before Father, I was thinking, actually, sometimes for us, I think, we're involved in the culture, that's great, and we do stuff in the culture, but sometimes we become, I think, just over-comfortable into it. And the story's going to happen, of course, and make it very uncomfortable, but when we meet, meet the story, they are fairly, she's certainly the hero, heroine the, of our story, is in a comfortable place. And it's quite clear she's not had to say, she's not been challenged about, because unlike the thing with Daniel, if you remember Daniel's story or whatever, she hasn't had to say, I'm a, I'm a Jew and I don't do this stuff. She better keep that secret. And it's not become a thing that's be, you know, stood out and, 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 and put pressure on her to be in a particular way. So she's the queen and, and we won't go into the of that story. Uh, but then... Um, we get this this thing where uh, something happens to challenge that 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 gentleness and loveliness and relaxedness and comfortable thing. Because this guy Harman, who's who's a, 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 a Amalekite, uh, gets it in for, for, for Mordecai and the Jews. Mordecai originally really offends him because Mordecai won't bow down and, and, and as give him a. Um, worship him as he walks past because he's supposed to and so he decides gets this plot together as you know to get rid of all the Jews and, he, and he's a bit de- devious he, he gets the king to sign an edict against 